is up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat Podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers. This week, I wanted to cover a promotion that I haven't really talked about much, if at all, here on the podcast. I want to talk about AAA. AAA just had the first part of a three-part Triple Mania show this year. It just took place in Monterey, Mexico this weekend. The second part of Triple Mania will be taking place in June, and the third part, I believe, in October. And a big kind of tagline for this year's Triple Mania is Ruleta de la Muerta, which translates to Death Roulette. They're doing this this big tournament that is going to culminate in a big mask versus mask match. If you are familiar with Mexican wrestling and the Lucha Libre style, that is a, a really big stipulation down there. I have watched a little bit of AAA in the past, not a whole hell of a lot. So I'm not the, the utmost authority on their storylines and even a lot of the people that work in the company. I am familiar with a, a good chunk of the roster as a lot of them do have ties to American promotion, so there's probably a lot of familiar names on this show for people that have never watched AAA before. I have watched Triple Mania before. I can't remember which one it was. I was 26, 27, I can't remember, but the main event was Blue Demon Jr. versus Dr. Wagner. That was a fucking amazing match, and I remember the whole reason I watched that pay-per-view was because leading up to it, people had been... It had been kind of a meme, you know, Triple A or Triple Mania specifically had been kind of a meme in the wrestling world because there was the whole uh, Vampiro, where's my fucking music clip that uh, that went viral, I think was the show just before that one. And, and it's kind of known for a litany of production issues and all kinds of other fuck shit on these shows. But I've learned in the little bit that I've been paying attention, these shows are are really... They're, they're, they're either, you're either going to get an absolute fucking shit show or you're going to get a very entertaining wrestling pay-per-view. That is what I've learned so far and the little bit that I've been paying attention to Triple Mania. Uh, not to get too far into my review, but uh, I think that we actually got a pretty good show here. We're going to go ahead and start from the top. Live from Monterey, Mexico, the first thing I noticed was that this show was taking place in a baseball field, which I think is such a cool look. And anytime, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I think, I think Impact did the, the minor league baseball thing whenever they were doing the global force wrestling shit. And it's one of those things whenever you can't fill the house, it looks terrible. But when you can fill the house, doing a show in a baseball field is one of the coolest and most unique looks in wrestling. And I absolutely enjoy that. Another big thing is even though they did have an English broadcast team, everything else as far as the presentation goes was done in Spanish. I cannot speak fluent Spanish. I know a few words here and there, as I'm sure most people do, because there are some words that, you know, it's just easy to piece together because they sound similar to their English counterpart. But yeah, there was a there was a lot of stuff going on in this open video package that I did not understand, but it, it still, it felt pretty hype. So I, I, I had that to go off of. There was a little bit of audio issues because they were showing these video packages for the opening match. And even though there is a, a Spanish voice that has dubbed the video package, the English commentators are still trying to talk so it was there was a little bit of audio issues early on but the show opens up proper with the first round of the death roulette roulette de la muerte tournament ultimo dragon versus pentagon jr i'm not gonna lie to you the prospect of this match is a really big reason why i even wanted to watch this show 
because I grew up watching Ultimo Dragon and WCW, as I'm sure a lot of you guys did. Ultimo was just so ahead of his time, and I haven't watched him work in a very long time, and I was really curious if he could still go. You know what? He can still do some stuff. You know, him and Pentagon had a a pretty simple match for the most part, but Ultimo can definitely still go if need be. One of the first things I noticed during the entrance, Pentagon Jr. comes out with who I believe is his son in full Pentagon Jr. cosplay. That that got a big pop here at my house. I thought my wife was going to die from the cuteness. Uh, the match starts and th- this big thing, and this is a thing throughout the entire show that I, I really dislike, and it's honestly my biggest dislike of this entire show, is the hard cam is pointing straight at the entrance, which is perfectly fine most of the time, but they've got these massive commercials playing in the center of the of the big screen, and it's so distracting anytime they go to the hard cam. In later matches, it wasn't such a big deal because so many of the matches took place mostly on the outside of the ring, so they didn't really get to go to hard cam very much, but that was annoying. Like, that was... Just, it was so jarring. I'm trying to watch this match, but I'm seeing this big fucking ad for deodorant or whatever the fuck they're pushing that's kind of just engulfing the entire screen, so I can't really tell what's even going on in the ring. But outside of that, it was it was a fun little match. It was not very long at all, and uh, I was shocked uh, whenever Ultimo Dragon pinned Pentagon. I believe he hit him with the Acai DDT. I need to go back and see. But I was shocked because I was not expecting... Pentagon to put over Ultimo Dragon. I also did not understand the rules of the Ruleta de la Muerte, and I found them out at the end of this match. Usually, in a tournament, you have your first round, you know, you got eight wrestlers, so first round, semifinals, and then the finals, whoever wins goes on, right? That's not how Ruleta de la Muerte works. Whoever loses moves on, and the person that winds up losing every match, which would be three matches in a row, has to lose their mask. Now, I thought that was a very interesting concept once I figured out what was going on, and I I can absolutely see this being very intriguing in, in a lot of ways for a lot of people, and I if this is something that AAA has done before, I'm not familiar with it, it obviously wasn't done on any shows that I've watched, but it's something I wouldn't mind seeing more of in the future, but there is a huge glaring problem with it, and I immediately realized, I said, okay, so this, this field is full of a lot of legends. Ultimo Dragon, just one of the many legends that are on this field right now. And I realized that out of the eight competitors, only two of them are under the age of like 50. So I kind of pieced together what I think is going to happen at the end of this tournament. We'll talk more about that as we get to the co-main event of the show. But I did enjoy this match. It was very short, very sweet. But these two guys did not, you know, they they didn't overexpose Ultimo Dragon. He still is able to go just fine. I give the match a B-. After that, we have got what was supposed to be a triple threat mixed tag competition. It actually wound up being a fatal four-way mixed tag match. And I... I kind of was just figuring this out as we went along, like most people were. Latigo and Maravilla versus Commander and Sexy Star versus Sammy Guevara and Tainara Conti versus the Vipers. 
And Sammy, obviously, if any of you guys watch AEW, you know that he suffered a little bit of a minor injury in his ladder match against Scorpio Sky. They run a video package before the match where Ty Conti is worried about Sammy going into this, but he tells her, don't worry, I got us. As they're making their entrance, La Parca Negra comes out to replace Sammy Guevara. And as the champions, who originally were not scheduled to be a part of this match, as those Vipers are coming out to the ring, the commentators say that unlike most matches where a title would be on the line, most multi-man matches, if you pin anybody, champion or not, you would get the title. That is not the case in this match. If you wanted to become the mixed tag team champions, you had to pin Los Vipers. That is very interesting. I can't really tell if I love it or hate it. But it, it, it's definitely an interesting stipulation and honestly, kind of a fair stipulation if you really think about it. You know, if you've watched a lot of American wrestling, especially that in the WWE, they would have these big triple threat or fatal four way whatever matches for the world title in order to keep the guy who is currently holding the belt strong but also get the belt off of him. So this is very interesting, and, and I I wouldn't mind it, I think, if this actually started to translate into American wrestling. This match is lucha as fuck. It is an absolute cluster. These guys are just flying all over the place. This isn't about storytelling. This is about high spots. And, you know, that that's a really big subset of lucha libre, where it, it's high spots, and that's all that matters. You know, it, it, there's this... There are some very, very story-driven matches that have taken place in AAA and have even kind of taken place on this card, but a big part of, of Mexican wrestling is just high spot, high spot, high spot, and that's definitely what we had in this match. Not really a lot of stuff to follow along with. It's just everybody flying over the ropes, uh, a lot of coordination problems, a lot of people just kind of stopping and standing and talking to each other in the middle of the ring before they figure out what the next spot is. Before the finish, Sammy interferes in the match with a crutch and tags out uh, Parca Negra, which I didn't know that you had to fucking tag anybody in this match, but he tags out Parca Negra, who just bails up the ramp. Sammy officially takes his place. Sammy and Tay pin the champions and become the new AAA mixed tag champions. This match, uh, my notes exactly, was a little too lucha for me. I have talked on the show a lot about how I prefer story-driven matches. I like it whenever a match can can make me forget that I'm watching wrestling. Just like a good TV show makes you forget you're watching a good TV show, right? It just, you fall into it, you believe everything that you're seeing. And that match, this match did not really do that for me at all. But I gave it a C minus. It's just, it was, it was other than the, them just kind of standing in the middle of the ring, figuring out what the next spot is, there wasn't necessarily anything inherently wrong about it. It just wasn't for me. So yeah, C minus. Uh, something that I wanted to sidebar and talk about for a couple of minutes because it's been kind of polarizing in the words of Tony Khan for the last several weeks. Uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Narconti, as people know, have been a couple in real life for a few months now. It was this whole thing because... I think last year, Sammy Guevara proposed to his then-girlfriend on television, and just a few short months later, we find out that he's dating Tynar Conti. And they started getting buried a lot on social media about it, and they put the two of them together on television as baby faces, which is literally never a good idea. And here they are now, and I, I don't watch the weekly AEW product as much as I probably should, 
So I don't know, you know, if if they have fully turned them heel over there yet, but they were heel as fuck here in AAA. And that's honestly the right thing to do because I think you've got to realize that nobody likes them and nobody's going to like them. And a lot of people, it's been kind of, there's been kind of this, this infighting that I've been seeing on social media where you've got the people burying them and then you've got a lot of people in the wrestling industry especially have been chiming in going, all oh, you neckbeards are just mad because Ty Narconti won't fuck you. Which I'm sure, look, I'm sure that exists. Neckbeards are going to neckbeard. Here's my thought on the Sammy and Ty Conti uh, business, I guess you can call it. First off, one of the big reasons why I think that a lot of people are booing them, and I think that it is a decent reason, is whenever you do put your life out in the public eye like that, and we literally just saw this guy propose to his girlfriend, and then just a couple of months later, not very long after that, we see him dating a completely different person. Yeah, look, with little context, he looks like a fucking scumbag. Both of them do. Like, that's just human nature, right? Like, it's it's totally fine to jump to that conclusion. I have seen posts on Reddit and this, that, and the other of people saying that Sammy's ex has even defended them. I haven't seen any of that myself. But regardless, like, it's one of those things that... It just, it looks scummy from from the outside looking in, right? And it's, like I said, if you put your life in the public eye, you kind of just have to deal with people are going to have opinions. I don't put a lot of my personal life in the public eye. I'm not a fucking celebrity, but I do some outward facing stuff in professional wrestling. And I wound up taking a lot of my personal information off of my Facebook page and my Twitter page and all that simply because I don't give a fuck what people think. And I don't want to hear what people think, you know, and that's something that people in wrestling should probably think about. If you don't want to hear people's opinions, then don't give them a reason to have an opinion. So there's that. And then another thing, and this is a reason why I don't like seeing their shit on TV and why I believe that it's kind of got go away heat with me. And it's because there is very few things in this world, and I can't name what they are off the top of my head, but there are very few things in this world that are more obnoxious than puppy love. Just, I, I can't stand it. Have you ever uh, ridden in a car with a little brother or little sister who had their date in the car with them and they just couldn't keep their hands off of each other, sit here and tell me that's not fucking annoying. And that's exactly what I see whenever I look at these two. They're both young. They're both dumb. They're just, it's, it's annoying. It's exactly what it is. And I think that they are doing best case scenario here. They're definitely going the rated R route like Edge and Lita. They're just making out with each other at every given moment. They're, they're basically leaning into it and saying, hey, if you're going to fucking boo us, we're going to give you a really good kayfabe reason to do so. And that's probably the smartest thing to do. Moving on after that, we had the next match in the first round of Roulette de la Muerte. Viano 4 versus L.A. Park. Viano comes out to the Pink Panther theme or, or a remix of the Pink Panther theme, and that really popped me. I, I enjoyed that. These two square up in the middle of the ramp during La, L.A. Park's, I almost call him La Parca. Uh, they square up in the middle of the ramp during L.A. Park's entrance. L.A. Park almost loses his mask pretty early, which in my opinion is defeating the purpose of this whole tournament, considering the loser of the tournament loses their mask. We're going to talk a little bit more about the mask shit as we, we get further on in this tournament. A bunch of brawling on the outside. This is the kind of match that Jim Ross would call bowling shoe ugly. The referee keeps getting in the middle of the two of them and warning L.A. Park about closed fists. He winds up eating a closed fist of his own, and that gets L.A. Park to finally take a little bit of control in this match. 
and then he starts tearing at Viano's mask. They both hit each other in the cock. They both go for, for pins and both get a two count. L.A. Park winds up eventually winning with a roll-up. Honestly, if this match was half as long as it was, I would have loved it because these old guys are just fucking crazy. They are out there like, I. you don't have to try too hard to convince me that these guys were throwing potatoes at each other. Because they were fucking putting it out there. And it was it was entertaining, but it was really fucking long. I don't know what how exactly how long this match went. It felt like it was between 20 and 30 minutes. If it was like 10 minutes, I'd have probably loved it. So for that reason, I gave it a C plus. It would have been a lot higher if it was shorter. After that, we get a presentation in the middle of the ring. They bring out a plaque, which is actually a frame with a silver plate in it. And they give it to this guy named Latin Lover, who I was not very familiar with at all. As he came out and after watching his video package and looking at his tights and all that, I, I started calling him the heartbreak kid Juan Michaels because he 100% just looks like a Spanish ripoff of, of Shawn Michaels. Apparently, he was in the 1997 Royal Rumble along with a lot of other AAA guys. I don't remember watching the Royal Rumble from 97, so yeah, not not familiar with this guy, but the crowd pops for him, they give him this plaque, and then fucking Jeff Jarrett interrupts him, he's got uh, Karen Jarrett and Rhea Scorpion with him for some reason, they come in the ring, talk a whole lot of shit, takes a really, really long time, they lay out Latin Lover, then Vampiro comes out for the save. I uh, I popped the second I heard uh, Back in Black. I just started chanting, where's my fucking music? Where's my fucking music? <laughs> this was a fucking absolute clusterfuck. This took so long. This segment felt just as fucking long as the match that preceded it. Um, I notice at this point, we are almost two hours into the show, and I've only seen three matches. So timing was really fucking bad on the early part of Triple Mania here. This segment, uh, I don't know why it had to happen. I don't know what the purpose of the plaque for Latin Lover was, but it did happen, and I don't know. We move. Fuck it. <laughs> After that, we have got another huge triple threat tag team match. Laredo Kid with a surprise luchador. The surprise is Jack Cartwheel. Jack Cartwheel and Laredo Kid are taking on the teams of Dragon Lee and Dralistico, and Taurus and Johnny Caballero. Johnny Caballero is Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, Johnny Mundo, whatever else you know him as. This match was all over the fucking place, but it was a lot more controlled than the matches before it. Johnny winds up picking up the win with a dick kick and a roll-up. It was, like I said, a very super lucha match, just like the other tag team matches. But it was a lot easier to watch. These guys had a, it seemed like they actually had an idea of what they were going to do whenever they got out there and not just kind of figure it out as they went. Uh, it was it was a fun, entertaining match, albeit not really for me. I'll give it a B. After that, we have got the third match in the first round of Roulette de la Muerte. Blue Demon Jr. taking on Rayo de Jalistico Jr. Rayo de Jalistico. <laughs> One of my favorite things is every time he gets Irish whipped and he goes running towards the ropes, he is moving just over a brisk walk. Like, he is not even jogging into the ropes. I run the ropes faster, and I am very slow to run the ropes. It was it was pretty hilarious. Uh, and I, I got kind of over this match pretty fucking quick because they immediately go for all of the same shit 
that happened in the previous first round match between L.A. Park and Viano. They start ripping at the mask. They're punching each other till they're bloody on the outside. They're doing a lot of the same type of weapon spots. There's a double dick kick spot in the match, just like in the one before it. It's just, it's the same thing as Viano versus Park, but it, it's somehow clunkier because uh, Ryo is in even worse condition than L.A. Park and Viano. Uh, before the end of the match, Sin Karas and his kids and nephews, I guess, come out to the ring to fuck on Ryo, but Ryo doesn't get distracted and is able to pick up a guitar and El Cabong Blue Demon for the win. Uh, <laughs> I type just, lol, what the fuck, and I give this match a D plus. It was worst match on the show, I think. Uh, it's just, just not very good at all. And you're starting to really pick up a pattern here in these roulette matches. And whenever we get to the next one, I'm going to talk about, uh, the problem that I see with this tournament and why I think the finals you can see very easily from a mile away. But yeah, D plus, not very good. After that, we have got one of the biggest matches on the show that I was looking forward to. Pagano, Bandito, and Taya Valkyrie taking on Andrade El Idolo, Cybernetico, and Diana Perazzo. This is a match that when you look at these pairings, you think this is kind of weird, but in actuality, it's kind of perfect because each person has a counterpart on the other team. Taya and Diana have beef right now in Impact Wrestling. Andrade El Idolo and Bandito set up hopefully a potential feud between the two of them because the spots that they had against each other were great. And then you've got Pagano and Cybernetico who are two of the bigger names in AAA. Pagano being one of the, the most over Technicos and Cybernetico being one of the more over Rudos. So there's definitely a great contrast between these two teams. At the beginning moments of this match, it started to rain, which made for some really, really great visuals. The ring started to get a little slippery. The rope started to get a little slippery. Bandito looked like he was going to fall a couple of times, but was able to recover. This match was way more subdued than the other tag team matches. The big moves in this match meant more because there was a little bit of space in between them. It wasn't just backflip after cartwheel, after front flip, after suicide dive, after just all kinds of other flippy bullshit. The big moves in this match meant significantly more. And yeah, just just overall, just a, a a way easier match to watch, especially if you're like me and you're way more used to the Americanized professional wrestling. Just so much fun to watch this match. The finish comes whenever uh, the Rudos spray down the referee with a fire extinguisher, and that gets them DQ'd. Now, that ending was fucking dumb. I understand that they probably felt like they booked themselves in a corner here. You've got three very strong individuals taking on another three very strong individuals. You do not want any of them to look weak. I know for a fact Impact definitely does not want Taya or Deanna getting pinned because they are about to face off for the Reina de Reina's belt again on one of their shows. AEW definitely is not letting Andrade eat a pin. So I, I could understand that they were probably booked into a little bit of a corner here and needed a fuck shit finish. I thought the finish was terrible, but... Everything else in the match was very fun and highly recommend going to watch it. It was my favorite match of the night. I give this match a B, and it would have been an A if it wasn't for the finish, to be totally honest with you. After that, we have got the last match in the first round of Roulette de la Muerte, Kinect taking on Psycho Clown. 
I wasn't super familiar with Connect. Let me rephrase that. I wasn't at all familiar with Connect going into this, but the commentary did a very good job of building up his career. He has got a hell of a resume. He body slammed Andre the Giant in 84, which I think is one year after Zick Dicey did it. He has wrestled Hulk Hogan and all kinds of other massive names in professional wrestling, and he comes out against Psycho Clown. And guess what one of the very first spots is? You guessed it. They start ripping at each other's masks. And it's just, it's more of the same shit like we've already saw in these first round matches. Kinect, I, I don't have this this stat, I guess you can say, in front of me right now. But he's probably the oldest guy, if not one of the oldest guys in this field. And it is very blatantly obvious how much Psycho Clown is trying to protect him in this match. He goes for a spear at one point in the corner and he just hardly touches him whenever he hits him. Dr. Wagner Jr. comes out to attack Psycho Clown, and then Kinect winds up capitalizing and going over with a standing elbow drop. Then Andrade El Idolo comes out after the match to take Clown's mask off and aligns himself with Dr. Wagner. I give this match a D. Like I said, it's a lot of the same shit. It's a lot of what we've already seen on this show just once again. Now, let's talk about the problem that I see with this Ruleta de la Muerte tournament. This card has got six guys in it that are considered legends. Two of those six guys still actively work in L.A. Park and Blue Demon Jr. And then you've got a couple of guys who, I think both of these guys are in their 30s, the more active individuals in this whole field, being Psycho Clown and Pentagon Jr. Once I realized, after the opening match between Pentagon and Ultimo Dragon, that the losers were going to be the ones that go on, and the two guys that lose the most are going to meet each other in the main event, I have pretty much already decided what's going to happen here. I knew that all of the old guys that couldn't really go all that well were going to go over in the first round. On the next show, I believe it's going to be Psycho Clown taking on Kinect, and Blue Demon Jr. taking on Pentagon. I'm telling you right now, Pentagon and Clown are going to be the two in the finals, and I think that it's going to be Psycho Clown losing his mask. I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. They have definitely booked themselves in a corner right here with this just, just blatantly obvious, you've only got two guys that are like actively working at a high level. Of course, they're going to be in the last match. And I think it's kind of goofy that they're having to put people over in order to get to the finals. Like, it's it's so strange to me, but I do understand there is a little bit of logic, right? Like, why would you want to win this tournament if you know that you have the possibility of losing your mask when you get to the end of it? But it's the booking is just, it's right out there for everybody to see. And I, I think that that takes away any excitement that there might have been about Ruleta de la Morte for me. But that's what I'm expecting. I think it's going to be Psycho Clown versus Pentagon in the main event. Psycho Clown is going to lose his mask because it's kind of hard to be called Psycho Clown and be considered the, what they said multiple times on the show, the ace of AAA. So I'm pretty sure that's what's going to wind up happening. We might circle back on the next AAA show and, and go from there. After that, we have got the main event of the show, the match everybody came to see, El Hio Del Vikingo and Ray Phoenix taking on the Young Bucks. The Technicos enter in some badass-looking three-wheeler while the Bucks enter the ring with Conan by their side. This was a Young Bucks match. If you have ever watched a Young Bucks match, then you've seen this match already. It was a lot of the greatest hits, a lot of the, I hate to say same old shit, but I, I honestly, I'm kind of over watching Young Bucks matches because it, it is, it's a lot of the same old shit. 
El Hio del Vikingo and Phoenix are very, very acrobatic, and they do have some amazing spots that they pull off. But, you know, it's something that if this is what you're into, if you're really into that Lucha Libre style, then you would absolutely love this match. For me, I'm just not super into it because I feel like I've seen this match a million times before. The finish comes with a Young Bucks Melter driver. The ref fucks up the three count and acts like, I think it was Vikingo who was getting pinned. He acts like Vikingo's shoulder is up, but it's not. So Matt Jackson tells him to recount, and then he recounts, and then Matt Jackson tries to cover it up the best that he can and just keeps telling the ref to recount to cover up his fuck-up. But yeah, so the Young Bucks go over El Hio, Del Vikingo, and Phoenix. After the match, Johnny Caballero, Ty Conti, and Sammy Guevara come out to help the Young Bucks beat the fuck out of the Technicos for some reason, and then Pentagon Jr. makes the save and cleans house. The whole aftermatch segment did not really make any sense to me. Number one, why is Johnny helping out the Young Bucks and Ty and Sammy? I don't really get that. Maybe this means that he's going to be joining AEW. I've got no fucking idea. Uh, seriously, Pentagon, seriously, that's all it took to clean house on this. He didn't have anybody else. Pentagon is just so fucking over in Mexico that he's Superman and can beat up five people at the same time. All right, whatever. I give the match a B, and and I, I personally was going to give it a lower grade just because, like I said, I feel like I've seen it a million times. But with that being said, it was still done very well, and all of the moves were executed damn near flawlessly. So, like I said, if this is the kind of match that you're into, go check it out. It was fun to watch. I'm just not really into Young Bucks matches anymore. Overall, there were some very solid matches on this show. My biggest gripe was the tourney matches because they all followed the same exact formula. Constant mask ripping, constant kicking people in the dicks, just just some ridiculousness on those matches. They were basically the same fucking match over and over again. I could not stand that. But outside of that, you've got all the multi-man matches, and they were very fun. There was a little bit of fuckery in some of them, and you know, I, I definitely have my complaints about the mixed tag match early in the show. But the rest of the multi-man matches were very strong, and I think they did elevate the show. So I will give the show a B- overall. And that is what I thought about Triple Mania 30, Roulette de la Muerte. This is, of course, like I said, part one of a three-part Triple Mania event this year. What do you guys think? Do you have similar opinions from me? Do you differ? Are you big AAA fans? Whatever you've got, if you want to talk about it, send me an email to maineventheat at yahoo.com. Whenever we get to June, I do want to watch the second part of Triple Mania. I want to see what they've got going on. I want to see how some of these stories progress. There's definitely some interesting shit going on. I want to see if there actually is going to be some kind of payoff with Latin Lover and Jeff Jarrett. I want to see what the fuck is actually going on with Andrade and Dr. Wagner. And, you know, let's see if the prophecy is true and my prediction's correct and Psycho Clown loses in the final round of Roulette de la Borte to Pentagon Jr. As far as my personal wrestling schedule, I've got a couple of shows this weekend. On May 6th, I will be up in Dalton, Georgia, helping out the Good Brothers and Outlandish Zicky Dice as they participate in this next Wrestling for a Cause show. We have worked with Wrestling for a Cause a couple of times with Lariato. I do not know if this show is going to be on Impact Plus as a part of Lariato or not, but there is definitely some Lariato talent. Manny Lemons is going to be there, Lord Humongous, and a lot more names that have not been announced yet. But I'll be there. I don't know if I'm going to be doing anything. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to be on Impact Plus. I don't know if they're going to need me on commentary or ring announcement, but I will be there to help out regardless. 
And then the day after that, I make my return to IWM. We are going to be at the Underground Fight Factory again, doing the second ever taping for Main Event Wrestling Underground. If you guys did not check out the first show live and are going to be in and around the Atlanta area on May the 7th, please come check us out. It is a very fun show. The first show went off without a hitch. We had a lot of great wrestling matches. And the second show is hopefully going to be just as good, if not better. Our big special guest for the evening is going to be Alex Kane, the suplex assassin. We've got some other big names signed. Of course, Shoot Taylor, the IWN champion. And then we've got Angelica Risk and all kinds of other big names in Georgia wrestling. So come check that out if you're going to be in and around Atlanta May 7th. And if you would like to follow me on social media, you can do so by finding at SweetSexyRob on Instagram and Twitter. And once again, thanks for hanging out. (laughs) 